Wow. How about that? Isn't that amazing? We're going to talk about how great his faithfulness is tonight by looking at chapter 5 and looking at his, looking at the word. He was faithful enough to give us the word so that we can live righteous. And so we're going to be faithful to study it. How about that? Is that good? So like I said, uh, the Activate students, um, I'm going to let them share testimonies every week that go along with uh, the theme. So today, tonight is spiritual hunger and God's word. If you got your purple book with you, if you don't, uh, I think we got some in the back. I don't know, LJ, if, uh, if she's back there, if you want one. That's a faithful rain, isn't it? Man. Thank God for a building. Um, so let me have, who's doing it? Julu and Jordan? Okay, good. You just waved that brother off. He's trying to help. You just waved him off like, I don't need your help. I'm going to let Jordan go first and Julu. Where's, uh, where's the microphone? Uh, Selena, hand me that microphone. That's that awesome. I try to teach guys do that. And you wave them off. That's good. Okay. All right, Jordan, you're going to go first. Uh, tell us where you're from, what church you're from, because you're from different churches, and uh, then give us your testimony, okay? Real briefly in 30 seconds. No I'm, just, no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. See? I'm so glad to see you guys. Your smiling face is beautiful. My name is Jordan Watts. Um, I'm a rising senior at Vanderbilt University, and um, yes, go doors, go doors. Um, and I attend Bethel Brentwood. Okay. Um, I'm a student uh, with the Bethel Activate program. Um, this is my testimony on spiritual hunger. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. There are, or there have been many times in my life where I felt... Um, neglected, abandoned, afraid, alone, insecure. And a lot of the times that I've felt these emotions were in the bounds of my romantic relationships. It seemed that every time that I went from, from guy to guy, I kept looking for a validation, I kept looking for them to make me feel like I was seen, I was known, I was understood. And I just never seemed to be satisfied with anything that I got from them. Um, recently, I've been going through a breakup uh, with a guy that I dated on and off for about three years. And um, Jesus took my hand out of that relationship. has been taking the, me through a season of healing, um, not just from him, but from re relationships prior to that. And in my uh, darkest moments, he's met me with his love, his compassion, his grace, and he's just been pursuing my heart over and over and over and over again, reminding me that I'm his princess, I'm his child, that I am to die for. Yes. And these are things that um, I just didn't seem to understand or receive from these relationships. There was one night where I was just um, so bitter, just so angry in my dorm room, just crying about how um, this guy has treated me. And I'm just like, man, God, like, what did I do, you know, to deserve this? And he's, he's um, led me to a Bible verse, John, well, chapter even, John 4, where Jesus was um, 
talking to a woman at the well. And um, one of the things he said was, you know, if you had asked um, who, if you had known who was talking to you, um, you would have asked to, him to give you living water and you would have given you living water. And also goes on to say, um, and I'm paraphrasing, that he um, that drinks from this water will never thirst again. The funniest thing happened. I took that, that word, I woke up in the morning, walked out of my dorm room, only to find that the men's bathroom had flooded. And my <laughs> friend from the cleaning staff um, told me that during the night, someone had ripped the, the handle off of the faucet and there was just this streaming, just water, just coming out of the men's bathroom. Somebody had to put a trash can over it. And it was like this water was overflowing, kind of like this rain, just overflowing out of this, this, um, this sink. And I, what that said to me in that moment was that not only will the, the Lord give us living water, it will overflow out of our lives and he'll give you more than what you ask for. And I consistently, you know, seeking his face, even in my community of people who just love and continue to point me to the cross. And I just, you know, I'm just so thankful for all that he's doing in the season of healing. And just an encouragement that if anyone feels, even if you've never um, gone through a romantic struggle, if you feel like um, you're uh, neglected or alone or afraid, he is more than willing to meet you in that darkness and he mm -hmm. is ever faithful. Yeah. Thank you. It's good. Yeah, uh, my name's Julu. Um, I come here for church, so there's that. Um, I come from a background that was very chaotic. Um, I'm a survivor of childhood and sexual abuse. And just because of that, that really just led me down this pathway of um, struggling with addiction, very poor mental health, and more recently an eating disorder. Um, I'd always known the name of Jesus, but I only knew him by name, not necessarily by the person who he was. And so it wasn't really until um, the ENC Fall Retreat of 2017 that I really had like a, such a really strong encounter with God. And from there, I kind of just thought that my life would finally be, you know, better. But I soon realized that, you know, it didn't happen that way. But that was because I was looking for people to fix me and just to fill a void that only God could. And just um, being able to come over that and just in that healing process, um, part of that was just surrounding myself with very strong women who could speak into my life, not necessarily as Christians, but for the ones who were Christians who always pointed me back to God and just helped me to realize, you know, just as much as God is faithful to us, I have to be faithful to him, wow. not because you know, it's a requirement, but if I want a relationship with God, faithfulness is a two-way street. And so, um, and just, I guess I very, I submitted all of the pain to God like early May. <laughs> so it was here pretty recently, but even in that short amount of time, like he has redeemed just all of those pains and all of those hurts in a way that I never knew was even possible. And, you know, if you're someone who has trauma, or if you're someone, you know, just, some sort of pain, like I strongly encourage, you know, getting in community. There are life groups here. Um, I can't tell you where to go, but they are here. Um, and yeah, and yeah, that's that. That's good. <laughs> okay, take it down over here. It takes a lot of nerve to get up here and tell a testimony, you know, so appreciate them and proud of them. Proud that they're going through the, this program. This is a new kind of program for us, so... Um, 
They're going to be our future leaders, right? I'm happy about that. So we're going to do chapter five tonight, uh, spiritual hunger in God's word. And again, if you're not been on a Wednesday night, uh, what we're doing is going through the purple book, which is a tool that we have that Dr. Rice Brooks and Steve Merle wrote many, many years ago. And uh, it's just a fundamental foundational teaching of our faith. It's not anything extremely deep. Uh, it's just foundational. Okay, so we're gonna, I'm going to go through this, and I have been going through this, as if we were sitting down together having a cup of coffee, right? Because it's a discipleship tool. So I'm showing you, uh, and you're participating in this, that you can sit down with somebody and just simply have them go through the purple book and, and guide them through it. Because it's really not your words that's going to change somebody. It's what God's words is going to change somebody. It's God's words going to change somebody, right? Sometimes we get to where, you know, I've got to say the right thing. No, just point them to the right thing and let that do the work, okay? So chapter 5, is start, uh, page 48, if you're following with me, here comes my heckler, Anthony. <laughs> I'm going to read this scripture here. It says uh, at the front page, oh, how I love your law. I meditate it all day long. Your commands are always with me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. I have put my hope in your word. That's David talking in Psalms uh, 119, 97 and 98. And then the other scripture there on the front page is people do not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Bible is more than an instruction manual or rule book. It's more than a random collection of stories and poems and letters. It is the voice of God communicating with us. This is why the Bible is often referred to as the word of God. Now, something interesting, you can, what I do sometimes is I will, I will Google stuff, right, and find out facts because I like facts about stuff. So here's what you can find if you do your own research. Let's talk about the Bible for a minute. The Bible is a collection of writings, okay? It's not a single book. Does everybody understand that? So like I asked God today, how many books do you read a year? He goes, he goes, I think one. I said, so you don't read the Bible? He goes, well, yeah, but that's, you know, that's a book. I said, no, it's 66 books. So if you read the Bible every year, you read 66 books. How do you like that? I'm helping you. It's a wide, it comes from a wide variety of, of authors. Now listen to these, uh, listen to this cast of characters, okay? Shepherds, kings, priests. Farmers, poets, scribes, fishermen, traders, embezzles, embezzlers, adulterers, murderers, and tax collectors. That's who wrote the Bible. Like they, like, you know, wrote it. The Bible was written over, 1500, over a 1,500-year span. So think about that. 1,500 years for all 66 books. Over 40 generations, 40 authors in different places, wilderness, palaces, prisons, at different times, war and peace, different moods. How I many know you write different when you're in a good mood and when you're in a bad mood, right? That's why you should never write an angry email. Don't do it. Just trust me. Get in a, get in a happy mood, Okay. But some were joyful and some were in despair. Think about Paul sitting in prison. On three continents, Asia, Europe, 
and uh, in Africa, and three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Now, I don't know about you, but we, if we got, I don't know, 40 pastors together, and we said, let's write a book that all has the same message, I don't know if we could do it within sitting together and do it. I read, I read philosophy a lot because I just, I don't know, I'm weird. And it's like you couldn't get that many philosophers to write this, about the same thing. They couldn't agree on anything. You can't get engineers together and they agree on anything. So it tells you the power of God's word that over 1,500 years span, 40 authors in different places and the cast of characters that they were, that collectively they all, they all wrote and you can find Jesus in every single page of the Bible. To me, that speaks of something else had to encourage them and speak through them in order for it to all flow together. It's pretty, it's just by itself, forget all the other historical stuff, just by that alone, I think it can be trusted. And he said, yes, there you go, see? In Psalm 119, this is on the page here. In Psalm 119, the Israelite King David shows us how we should approach the Bible. David saw God's word as his source of life and hope. He delighted in it. Scripture tells us that. He continually meditated on it. He understood that God spoke to him through it. What's the bottom line of that? That we know the sound of God's voice in our lives when we read his word. Some people say, I can't ever hear God's voice. I go, okay, are you reading like his word? Or are you waiting for lightning to strike and somebody right love you in in the clouds? But we have to, it's like, you know, look, it's like I love my wife. We've been married 28 years this month. And if I never talked to her, right, we wouldn't, there would be no intimacy, and I don't mean, I mean intimacy, like relationally, right? So if we're not taking time to read, and Shelly right now is on, you know, she does these personality tests, uh, whatever, all these crazy things are out there, uh, Berkman and Strength Finders, all this stuff, because she wants to kind of know who she is, and more importantly, know who I am, so, you know, know what she's dealing with. So... But she's taking the time to do that. Why? Because she wants to know herself and she wants to know me better so that we can communicate more clearly together because where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And I don't know about you, but I want to, be a, I want to have a blessed marriage. Okay? Ain't nothing worse than a bad marriage. And ain't nothing greater than a good one. So I'm going to try to stay on the good one. So the authority, the first lesson here is the authority and power of the word. The Word of God is a big concept to grasp. No one simple, one-line definition will suffice. We call that one-scripture one, one theology. Don't be a one-scripture theology person. Like, take one scripture and you got a whole theology. No, it's Bible in its entirety as a whole, okay? Uh, God's Word is the driving force behind the creation of the universe. It is also a term Christians use to describe the Bible. Sometimes the Word of God refers in a more general sense to God's message of salvation that the very first followers of Jesus proclaimed to the world. For example, Acts 6, 7, and 8, 14. And sometimes the word refers to a person. 
And it does this in John 1.14, which we're going to read. It is this amazing passage that we discover Jesus is actually God's word. That's why you can find, I don't care what, I don't care what chapter you go to, what book you go to, if you're, if you're really looking, you will find Jesus on every page. Old Testament, New Testament. He is the common denominator. Okay? So let's look at some questions here. How were the scriptures originally given to us? I just went over all these authors and these, this cast of characters and the different times and different continents and all that. But how really was it originally given? Let's look at 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture, remember all is Greek for all. Got that? It's everything. Y'all remember that. Is breathed out, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So we see that it's God-breathed. And whenever God breathes, every time that, he's, that it says that in Scripture, life happens. Every time. Okay? Genesis, like Genesis 2-7. This is not up here, but Genesis 2-7. He, he breathed life into Adam. In John 20, 22, it was the Holy Spirit in 2 Timothy 3.16, it, was the, it was, talks about the word is breathed by God. All of this is life. So actually God cannot, he, it's, it's, everything in him is about life. The word is profitable and useful. Let's look at John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, that, I mean, uh, sorry, that's not in your thing, is it? Sorry. John, I'll do this. John 1.1 1, 1 is the word is the beginning. The word was with God and the word was God. If you go down to 114, it says, what, who is the word? Right there it is. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as a son of God, as a son of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So the word, God's word is just more than letters on a page. It actually describes Christ. And that is our model. If, we, if we're a Christian that's Christ-like, then we should want to see who this man is and how he lived his life. What does the writer of Hebrews say about God's word? Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is living and it's active. It's not dead. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints of marrow, of discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's not a book. I, have, I read a lot of books. My wife has gotten on to me about how many books I buy on Amazon. Every time she sees Amazon come to my house, she's like, dude, this is like you're addicted. So now I do Audible. She can't see that. So anyway, well, I just said it. Dang. Uh, anyway. But I read a lot of books, and yes, they, they can change my life, and I can get some good stuff out of it. But nothing changes my life like reading God's word. Because it's the only one that's alive and active. And it's not going to return void. So if I read it and I believe, it's, I believe what it says, remember we talked about promises and your inheritance is every promise of scripture. So why wouldn't I go, okay, I'm in trouble, so what? Let me get this Bible out. Let me just read how I can get out of this. 
right? Because it, it will tell you. It's alive. It'll help you. So lesson one is, what was it? The authority and the power of the word. We know that the word is God-breathed. And we know that the word was from the very beginning. And then I went over all those authors and all the time frame. It is a credible source to change your life. What's the benefits of the word? Lesson two. What are the scriptures useful for? Let's look at first, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training of righteousness, that the man of God and woman may be complete, equipped for every good work. I love that word complete. That means whole. It means I lack nothing. I mean, uh, I've told before I was a home builder for a long time, and I mean, there's... there's nothing worse than getting somewhere and not having everything that you need to build something. It's just the worst. I remember one time I got a, uh, uh, one of these, uh, what are they, uh, play things for my kids, you know, that you say, oh, I can get this done in a couple hours, you know, and you start on Friday and Monday night, you're like, good Lord. And you get all the way to the end and you're missing two parts. It's like, Really? I mean, nothing worse than something that's not, inc- that's not c- complete. But God's word will complete us. How did Jesus overcome? So that's, that's one that's u- scripture is useful. How did Jesus overcome temptation and defeat the devil? Well, let's look at Matthew 4, 1. It says this, through 11. It says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I think that's one of the most, under, that's an understatement, isn't it? 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Mine would have said after 40, 40, hour, 40 minutes, probably, he was very hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written. Participate with me. Say, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now, here, here's the devil going, okay, if you're going to use it as written, I'm going to use it as written. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, I love this battle, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, as these, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, say it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now, a couple things I want to point out about this is, uh, you know, Jesus being tempted uh, by the enemy, the enemy coming and saying, it is written as, as well. There are a lot of times that, that we will think that we hear the word, but it's taken out of context, or it's one scripture. 
And it's not the, again, it's not the whole Bible in its entirety. Because the enemy, the, Satan used the word. And it was written. But it wasn't written like he was twisting it to be written. And a lot of times we fall into that. So if we don't believe that the word, that God's word is truth and goodness, it doesn't change us. We have to believe that it is good or it does us, or it does us no good. We have to believe that it is good or it does us no good. If you don't believe it, it's not going to help you. First Timothy 13, uh, 3, 16, 17, I'll go back to that real quick. That scripture instructs us in what is true. It reproves us for what we miss. Remember we talked about sin. It's like an archery where you miss the target. Okay? And it directs us in what is good. And in Matthew 4, what we just read says, Christ himself is the eternal, eternal word and could have produced the mind of God without having to think back to Moses. But he put honor upon the scripture to set an example for us to say it is written. It means that he didn't have to go back and get tablets out in scriptures and try to figure it out. He had it down in his heart that it just came out. As soon as he needed it, it came out. No, it's written. He knew it. He didn't have to go searching for it. The place he had to search for it was in the file of his mind. And he agreed again. There you go. How can God's people... Oh, wait a minute, let me read this. The idea is not having a few magical memory verses that can get us out of any situation. It's that when we meditate on Scripture, turning to them for strength and guidance becomes second nature. Now, meditation, uh, that's, again, everything that has been of God has been uh, tainted or perverted by the devil. Meditation is not bad. It's what you meditate on that could be a problem. Okay? Uh, We are to meditate, which means, uh, for me, my personal, is that I don't talk. Like sometimes we get before God and we do all the talking. Like, God, I need this. God, I need that. Oh, God, thank you for this and thank you for that. And we just, we never take a moment just to sit and take, I have taken a scripture before and it took me all week to just really get that down in my soul. And that's the only thing I read the whole week. Just because I wanted to meditate, I wanted to get it down in here so that when I faced something, I didn't have to go looking for my Bible. I had my Bible within me. And so I I do encourage you to take the time to meditate and to look at Scripture and not just be a checklist. Like I read my Bible this morning. What did you read? Uh, Well, I read my Bible. Didn't really do anything. You know, I I was doing it because I'm supposed to do it as a Christian. But if we take the time to meditate, I think it will change us. Psalms 119 uh, let's look at a couple scriptures in here. We're going to look at 11, 98, 105, and 165. Psalms 119, 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Basically, if, if you hide this in your heart, it can't be stolen. You hear these, um, we just heard about these, these uh, prisoners of war that get, you heard somebody speak, <laughs> said his name, and talked about that People don't have a Bible, so they would uh, meditate, memorize it, so that when they were in prison, they could remember it and read it because they couldn't have a book. 
So they would, they would like real quick memorize stuff so they could remember it. They, they hide it in their heart, hide it deep in their heart. And why is that? Because when you highly regard something, you put it in a safe place. Why? Because you're scared of losing it. I got a safe in my, uh, my, my house, and I got important documents in there because I don't want to lose them. If I lose them, it's going to be a lot of mess I got to go through, right? So we hide things that we value. So that's why we hide the Scripture. Psalms uh, 119.98 says, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. Uh, I, this is one thing that I pray for daily is wisdom. I want wisdom. I want wisdom over anything. I was telling somebody the other day, I, I kind of shocked them. I said, I don't want faith. I want wisdom. They're like, what? I said, guys, I just want to be wise where I put my faith. I want both, actually. But, but man, wisdom is... Um, because wisdom is from God. All wisdom is from God. He's, he himself is why he makes us wiser than our enemies to disrupt their plans against us. I love that. 105, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It shows what we miss and what could be dangerous. If ever walked in the dark, couldn't see in front of you, it's kind of scary. But it says the scriptures actually will light our path so that we can see where we go. And it's not gonna light our whole path, by the way, but it's gonna light what's in front of us. People are always going, I don't know what I'll do with my life. I say, well, what do you wanna do next week? Well, I wanna do this. Well, go do that. Maybe when you get there, you'll see what you wanna do the next week. But just don't stop. Just keep moving forward. The, the, the scripture will light your path. It will lay out your destiny. Uh, 165, verse 165 says, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. This is peace that the world cannot give you, nor the world can take it away. You can only take away, the world, listen to that, it's something that the world can't give you, therefore it can't take it away. That's one thing I like fighting for is peace. I love peace. I love having a clear conscience. I love that uh, standing in the midst of a storm of life, if something's happening to me, that I try to fight for that peace so I can make good decisions and not get, you know, it's like when, when, when you're in war, when you're, something happens, they say stay calm, right? Stay calm so you can make clear decisions. That's what the scripture does for us. What about lesson three, spiritual hunger? Let's look at this. If someone is deprived of food and water for an extended period of time, their physical body will weaken and eventually die. It's common sense. There is a spiritual parallel. The word of God is spiritual food. And water, as surely, as surely as we will die physically without food and water, we will die spiritually without God's word. Psalms 142, 1 and 2. How did the sons of Korah describe the conditions of their own soul? It's a question. Let's read it. Where is it at here? Okay, as a deer pants for the flowing stream, so pants my soul for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the, li- for the living God. I don't know if you're a hunter. I'm a hunter. I like going deer hunting. Uh, I always have deer meat in my freezer because I just like it, right? I grew up in Kentucky. That's just what you do. 
It's like you get a birth certificate and a gun. I don't know. It's just what happens. And a basketball for, you know, anyway. We won't talk sports. Anyway, um, and I don't know, but, I, I, but I've seen a lot of deer run through the woods and get to a stream, and they lose their mind because they, they usually they're, act, you know, they're, they're, they're watchful, but not when they're drinking. They ain't watchful. <laughs> I mean, it's like they just, they just, they're so focused on that. I remember Pastor Rice one time said, we can't, we, remember that song, as a deer pass for the water? Remember that song? He said, we can't sing that around here because everybody starts getting hives and starts like, where's it at? You know, let's go shoot it. You know, can't sing that anymore. But it, it's like a deer at a stream. It's like, man, we get so focused. What's the psalmist's attitude toward God's presence? Let's look at Psalm 84, 1 and 2 and 10. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. Can you see the theme here? My heart and flesh sing for the joy to the living God. Verse 10, for a day in your court is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know, David was, he had an intense desire for God. This, is, this tells us his, it was his body, his soul, and his spirit. It was an entire, in, whole, integral. Integrity is the word, integ, uh, integrity comes from an integral. And basically it means what you think and what you say and what you do are all the same. That's a man of integrity. So I think it and I actually speak it, but I actually do it as well. And this was David. And he valued time with God above all else. And we need to learn from him. Let's look at, let's look at I don't think I gave this to you, sorry. Uh, sorry back there. What did David say about God's word and its importance and its important in his life? David said this in Psalms, it says, more precious than silver. It's sweet, to t- it's sweet in taste, sweeter than honey. It should be loved more than pure gold. What did Job say? He said he treasured it more than his daily bread. What did Jeremiah say? It was joy, it was his joy and his heart's delight. It was God's word. And lastly, lesson four is obedience. It's one of my favorite subjects when I talk to my kids. What happens, James 1, we're going to read James 1, through 25. But the doers of the word, but, I'm sorry, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. If you're only, a, if, you're, if you're just a hearer of the word, you have been self-deceived. And self-deception is the worst kind. Because when you're self-deceived, nobody can t- hardly anybody can talk you out of it. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts... He will be blessed in his doing. 
we were just, uh, we were, we, where were we at? Atlanta. My son just graduated college. And the hotel room we stayed in, you just got one of those mirrors on the arm. Have you ever seen those that you flip it over and it's magnified and you flip it like this, it's regular? They had one of these as a hotel. I'm always fascinated by those. And so I went over and this one was like 20, we have one in our house, it's 10 times, right? That's pretty bad, you know, that's bad. Because you think you got everything, you flip that over like, geez, you know. <laughs> this one was 15 times. It was really bad. Right? The mirror, a mirror actually reflects actually what is there. And the stronger the mirror, the more that it shows. Well, I was looking at a 15, you know, times multiplied mirror. Scripture is about a million. That if you look at it intently, it will actually show you all the pits, all the hair on the top of your ear. It'll show everything. Right? But it shows it. Why does it show it? So you can take care of it, actually. That's why I like those mirrors. That's why we have those mirrors. Because, man, if you look good in that one, which, you know, I never do. But if you get close, at least when people see you from 15 feet away, I mean, you look okay, you know. That's what Scripture does. But it doesn't do our outward. It reflects our inward. And that's where God really changes us. And it's not like those... uh, you know, some mirrors, you know, I like to multiply, but we take our kids to the carnival and they got that skinny mirror. Now, that's my favorite, right? I mean, you just walk by, you just take that thing with you, just walking like, hey, how you doing, right? But that's a lie. That mirror lies to you. I mean, to me, maybe not, it doesn't to you. So there are mirrors that you can look at that don't really reflect the real thing. And what are those mirrors? That's something that you have to ask yourself. What are the mirrors in my life that are telling me something that's not true? And you got to get rid of those mirrors. Don't worry about seven years of bad luck. That ain't true. Break them and let's move on. You have to know the truth of your condition in order to know the truth of your solution. I remember uh, I got a... I mean, I don't want to say I got a ticket, but I got a ticket riding my motorcycle. And I'm not going to tell you what it was for because it's none of your business. But anyway, I had to go to school. Uh, and so I went to this motorcycle school. Now, I grew up riding motorcycles, dirt bikes, you know, all that kind of stuff. I had go-karts. I mean, my dad built motorcycles. So, I mean, I love them. And uh, so I went to this school and I, you know, it's going to be a breeze, no problem. And, uh, of course, I have a street bike now, and we started doing uh, these, these exercises. They kind of show you what to do. And so, you know, the figure eight, right, figure eight. So they stick you in this rectangle. They put all these cones out, and you got to stay within those cones. No problem. Got it all day long. So I went at this, and there's people watching you, by the way. This is not like you're doing it on your, you know, by yourself. So it was a little intimidating, but, you know, I'm a pretty competent dude. So, man, I just started going, and I hit every dang cone that you could possibly hit. Man, I was like, what is going on? And when you hit one, you got to redo it, right? Of course, everybody's over going, <clears throat> you know, looking at you like. <laughs> so I did it again. Every dang cone, hit it again. I mean, he set them up, I hit them again. I'm like, what? On my turn, 
I mean, I just nailed every one of them. And I, I got flustered, you know, because it's embarrassing. And, you know, right before me, some 18-year-old punk kid got up there, and, you know, he did it great. So, whatever. On his dad's bike. He is not even his bike. Anyway, he made me mad. Um, so, my instructor, he said, you're looking at the wrong thing. And I thought, what? I'm, what does that even mean? I'm looking at where I'm going. He goes, no, you're looking at what's in front of you. I said, okay. Uh, you're going to have to explain that to me a little bit. He goes, he goes now, when, I, when you take this turn, he goes, I'm going to walk down here to the other end. And when you start to make that turn, I want you to turn your head, and I want you to start looking for me. I said, okay. That doesn't, okay, I'm, I'm not used to this. He said, let me give you an example. So this is what he did. He stood about, 50, about 20 feet away from me. He goes, I want you to look at my feet. I looked at his feet. He goes, tell me what you see. I see your shoes. I see the asphalt. I see, you know, cones over here. I see, you know, peripheral vision. I see this. I see that. And then he goes, okay, great. Now look up at my, he goes, now look up at my face. I looked up at his face. Now tell me what you see. I see the mountains. I see the sky. I see the building. I see the, he goes, you still see the asphalt? Yes, yeah, still see the asphalt. You still see the cones? I still see the cones. He goes, you're, got, you're focused on the wrong things. He goes, you're focused on where you're turning instead of where you're going. See, the truth of it was that my truth in that situation was I was looking at what was right in front of me instead of looking to where I wanted to go. So he helped me because he gave me the solution. The solution was don't look at where you're going. Don't look at right in front of you. Look to where you want to go. And then I did it perfectly every time. I was so happy because I passed. I can still ride. But it's like, a, it's like a, you know, if you go to a doctor, I mean, you want to know what's wrong with you if you're not feeling well. You want the doctor, and he could have bad said bedside manners. But nonetheless, you want him to tell you the truth about your condition. It's only then that he can tell you what the solution is. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I was going to say something else, but I decided not to. Let's look at John 8, 31 and 32. If we hold to Jesus' teaching, what will happen? What will happen if you do this? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Again, truth is a person in Christ. A lot of people take this verse out of context a lot. They try to use it to their benefit in the wrong way, but it says if you, we got to back up and go, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. Abide meaning um, if it's almost like a storm coming and there's a connection and, I, and I'm holding on like a vine to a, like a grapevine, right? I mean, it's holding on for dear life. It's not letting go. I'm abiding in this. That's what that means. If I abide in your word, if I hold on, when the storms come, I'm not going to be taken away. 
then you're truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's only one truth that's going to set us free. That's it. That's Christ. And then everything else that comes with that truth. Okay? We good? Lastly, this is, a, this is a quote by Mark Twain. A lot of people go, you know, say, uh, you know, I just, don't, I just don't understand the Bible. Like, it's hard to understand it. Uh, you know, without really reading it. <laughs> the Bible's not too hard to understand in a lot of ways. Like, thou shalt not kill. I mean, is that confusing? Right, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not. I mean, there's all these things that he says don't do that are pretty plain. And Mark Twain says this, it, it, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Sometimes we want to stay away from Scripture because we really don't want to know the answer. And we want to revel in our unforgiveness and our, and our anger and our, I want justice, so I'm not going to, you know, Bible says, you know, the vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? But we, won't leave, we don't want to leave him any room for that because we want to do it all. But the Bible is full of things, his God's word is full of things that are profitable and helpful to our life. And if we will get into it and meditate on it and hunger for it just like it's physical food, I promise you, if you, were to, uh, if, you were to take, if you were to take the morning and read Scripture every day, in 30 days your life would be different. I remember a friend of mine told me that he started, uh, he, he got up so early with his had a couple kids that he, couldn't, he just couldn't find time to read. So on his way to work, he just started listening to it instead of listening to music or podcasts or whatever. He said, I'm just going to listen to the Scripture. And he said, in 15 days... He said, I was thinking differently about some things because the scripture changed him. It's live, it's active. And it changed his, he goes, I didn't even really know that I had changed. He goes, I just started thinking, wait a minute, I, I was mad about that, and why ain't I mad about that anymore? And it was a situation that had been there a long time. This was a family issue. And without even realizing it, it had changed him. So it's a good little challenge, man. If, you, if you're not in the Word, what can you do? Think about this. What can you do tomorrow morning to start a systematic way, and again, not a checkbox, but at least a systematic way to get in God's Word every day? Whether it be listen to it, whether it be uh, getting up and reading. And if you're not reading, just start with one scripture. Just start with one scripture every day. Read that scripture over and over and over again. And it's really good if you would start, if you have an area of struggle, right? If you're struggling in an area, find scripture that goes along with that struggle and just start reading that. Use it to your advantage because it is the greatest weapon we have. The scripture is the only, it is written, that's, that phrase, it is written is the only offensive weapon that we got. Everything else is defensive, Okay? All right. Next week, I'm going to end right there because it's uh, getting late. 
Next week, just if you want to keep going with us, we're going to talk about, this is my favorite subject, discipleship and leadership. It's chapter six. Uh, I hope that you're, again, this is kind of different, but I hope that you're getting practical things that you can take and actually put them into your life and that you can, uh, you can see the importance of foundations. Again, this is why we're doing this. Foundations are important when storms come, right? We've read that several times. So I hope that you're benefiting from it, okay? Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for, uh, Lord, your word. Thank you, Lord, that it is active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, and thank you that you actually breathe this into existence. Lord, it's not by man's hand and thoughts. Lord, it's by your breath that guided men to do this. Lord, thank you that in every, every page, every page of scripture, Lord, there's Jesus. And there's his life. And Lord, and we can rest knowing that, Lord, this word is, is powerful. Lord, it can change us, not from the outside, but, Lord, inside out. Lord, thank you that we benefit from knowing your word, that we can say it is written when we come facing things, Lord, that are difficult, Lord, that we can hide your word in our heart, that we can pull it out, and, Lord, that can help us. Thank you for being a God that would give us, give us your word so that we would not be lost and we would know the truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you playing Yes, Jesus, Love Me? That is funny. Oh, that's back there, okay. All right, so chapter six next week. Uh, if you need any prayer or anything, again, I'll be down and some, oh, our Activate students, how y'all doing? Our Activate students will be here to pray with you too. They didn't know that. I would like to tell you what that is, but I can't. Uh, it's a little afraid. Anyway, so they'll be down here if you need anything. All right? Thank you so much. You're dismissed. <laughs>